Hi, I'm Gary, and this is EV Musings, a podcast about renewables, electric vehicles, and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On the show today, we'll be looking again at charging hubs. Everybody wants them, everybody likes them. But what's the current state of things? This season of the podcast is sponsored by ZapMap, the free-to-download app that helps EV drivers search, plan, and pay for their charging. Before we start, thank you to anyone who sent in an idea for the roundtable discussion items. It's all starting to come together now. Stay tuned. in episode 115, I talked about the hubs that were currently installed in various places across the UK. I noted at the time that there were a lot more than people probably thought there were. Well, as we all know, time doesn't stand still when it comes to charger installs, so I thought it was a good time to update the details about the hubs that you can currently use. With electric vehicles making up a larger and larger proportion of the new car sales in the UK, they hit one in three new cars in December last year, Having lots of reliable multi-unit charging options is vital. Since that first episode, here's a selection of major installs that have gone in. Gridserve have opened a second electric forecourt in Norwich East. Gridserve also opened motorway service hubs in several locations, including Exeter and Swansea. Osprey Charging opened their Campower hub in Brackley at the Paisley Pair. The Shell Recharge forecourt in Fulham opened and I was the first paying customer there. MFG opened quite a few hubs around London. These included Putney, where I went and posted a small video. BP Pulse opened their hub at Gatwick. Alpatronic Charge is installed there alongside their old-style 50-kilowatt polar units. We'll look at some more in a few minutes. But I wanted to take the opportunity to, to talk a little more philosophically about hubs at large charging locations. I spend a lot of time interacting with people who drive electric cars in their daily life there are very few of them who put their hand on their heart and say that they think the charging infrastructure is perfect. And I include charge point operators in that group as well. They know there's a lot of work still to do. Public charging has a number of challenges which it will need to combat to ensure widespread acceptance for those who are not early adopters. We've talked about education on this show before. I mean, the number of times new EV owners stand at a public charger either not knowing which cable to use or not be able to understand the payment process is beyond a joke. We talked about destination charging. If we had more widespread 7, 11 and 22 kilowatt charging, the need for rapids would reduce dramatically. And we've talked about pricing before. The disparity between home charging, I pay seven and a half pence a kilowatt hour, and public charging, I can pay over 10 times that in some places, really needs to be reviewed. Cutting the VAT from 20% to 5% on public charging would be a good starting point, as would separating the electricity price from the underlying price of gas. But I think the one thing that everyone will agree on is that we need more reliable chargers. There's a whole discussion to be had around whether these need to be 350 kilowatt chargers or 125 kilowatts or 75 kilowatts. And I've already covered this topic in an earlier episode this season, episode 167. But one thing is for sure, we need chargers which are available, which work, and which are plentiful at a single location to create redundancy. Charger reliability is a big issue at the moment, and we've covered broken charges back in episode 157 last season. But all of this is moot 
if we can get a good amount of redundancy on the network. If I go to the Oxford motorway service areas on the M40 and one of the grid serve units there isn't working, that's 50% of the capacity gone. But if I drive 100 yards around the corner to the Tesla supercharger site and one of their charges isn't working, that's less than 7% of the capacity. That's a huge difference. Now, we've talked about the Tesla World Garden in episode 157, where we basically said that the reason Tesla are deemed to have the best network isn't because they have more units, they don't, or higher power ones, they don't, or plug and charge, others also have it. It's because all their infrastructure slots together and produces a seamless, flawless experience, which just works. Not that they're perfect. It's often difficult to find this information because it gets hidden unless you drive a Tesla and take the time to research it. But Tesla units do break down. The in-car UI of Tesla will let you see which stalls are available and which are broken at each supercharger. But finding that information outside that user interface is almost impossible. Tesla only have a little over 100 locations in the UK, but they have a 1,000 chargers in those 100 locations. There isn't another network operator in the UK that comes close to having so many units in so few sites. Large sites like this mean that if, or should I say when, an issue occurs with a unit, there's still enough left for people to be able to charge. As the number of EVs on the road increases, and we're up to nearly 750,000 now in the UK, this will become vitally important. But I'm glad to note that the charge point operators are looking to bring more and more hubs into their portfolios. We spoke with Ian Johnston from Osprey Charging at the start of last season. He told us that they're looking at putting more hubs in, and in fact, they've actually purchased their own land down in Devon in which to put the first of their next tranche of Kempower hubs. And other CPOs have started to take this on board. The Salmon's Leap hub in Devon was powered up at the beginning of May this year. Even Genie Point, the much blind owner of some of the more unreliable units on the market, have recently upgraded to Alpatronic hardware and installed them at their little Clacton location, with 14 units, all told, of which six are DC rapid chargers. So I'm seeing the start of a movement that will push us towards more reliable units, which is good. Now, I want to go through some of the charging hub updates that have occurred recently. But before we do that, let's have a quick look at some real data. Our good friends at the Insights Department at podcast sponsor ZapMap very kindly sent me through some data related to hubs registered in the ZapMap database as of the 1st of June, 2023. Believe it or not, there are 388 locations which could be defined as hubs if we classify a hub as somewhere that has four or more DC units. Now, I don't know about you, but that's way more than I imagined. Well, let's break this down a little bit. Tesla make up 105 of these, with six locations having four superchargers and every other one having five or more. The next largest CPO with regards to hubs is, drumroll, MFG. Yeah, I was surprised as well. As of June the 1st, they had 65 locations that had four or more units. Next is Instavolt with 50 locations, including the huge hub at Stroud Park, Junction 11 of the M40 at Banbury. Other than these key CPOs, no company has hubs at more than 23 locations in the UK. Now, if I select key charge point operators that are on most people's list of go-to chargers, we have the following statistics for locations that have five or more units. MFG have 46 locations. GridServe have 23. Ionity have 15. 
Instavolt have 30, Fastnet and Osprey have 8, and of course Tesla have 99, of which 20 are open to the public. If I include BP Pulse and Shell Recharge, not everyone's first choice of reliable charge point operators, we have 12 for BP Pulse and 5 for Shell Recharge. If we include all hubs with five or more charges, including the lesser known CPOs such as Apple Green Revive and ESP Energy, the total adds up to 255 sites. For those of you who are statistically minded, 34.37% of all hub sites are four units, 6.46% are five units, and the remaining 59.17% are six or more units per locations. This is individual units rather than connectors. At some sites, these units are dual charging, allowing twice as many people to use them, parking space permitted. Across all the charge point operators, there were a grand total of 1,513 units installed in total prior to the 1st of June 2022. In the 12 months since then, that number has increased by 1,184. That means the number of charges at hubs has increased by approximately 79% in a single year. MFG account for 22% of those new units and GridServe account for 10%. Now let's look at some of these in more detail. I was lucky enough to be invited to Oxford last year as they unveiled the Oxford Super Hub. Now it's a charging hub that caters to all sorts of EVs. It's located in the Redbridge Park and Ride and it has five Alpatronic dual head chargers, so 10 slots, from Fastnet, 12 Tesla superchargers, and 10 AC units from Wenair. The power from this has been brought in directly from the high voltage cable at nearby Cowley. And we spoke with Tom Hurst from Fastnet at the end of season seven, and he told us that they were looking to expand quickly across the UK to match the penetration they've had in mainland Europe. So, I I mean, in general, uh, certainly if you look at, you know, the actual sites that we've got open right now, uh, there's a big gap, right, between (laughs) the sort of southeast uh, where we've got uh, four sites and then the northeast where everyone goes, you know, what's in between? And that's not so much a question of strategy, that's just a question of timing. Uh, as I say, we, um, we try and build our sites as quickly as possible. As soon as we get uh, you know, a location deal done, we take the site through planning, we get the grid connection, and we build it as quickly as we can as well. In fact, since we started this seed in the podcast, Fastnet have opened another hub at Marshalsham in Suffolk. A little over a year ago, the Instavolt hub at Banbury opened to great critical acclaim. Now, I've used it myself on several occasions and can confirm that it's fantastic, reliable, high-powered, lots of redundancy. Since then, Instavolt has taken the opportunity of adding an additional eight units to the site, making a grand total of 16 units. But news came out late last year that even that's not enough. So they've added an additional 16 units to make it 32 charges in one location. Now, I'm not 100% sure, but that's not far off being the largest single location rapid charging station in the UK particularly one that's not a specific electric forecourt, such as the GridSurf one. But while the majority of Instavolt sites are two units, they'd be quietly adding bigger locations here and there across the country. They've opened an eight-unit hub at Oak Retail Park in Briarley Hill. The Ruge Estate Shop in Corwin, North Wales, has eight units. And the Starbucks at Bladenod Tyne has another eight units. These go alongside the Fox Valley Retail Park outside Sheffield with six units and the eight-unit install at the MSA Welcome Break in Corley. Now they've also added a few more four-unit installs at places like Mile Hour, Cliff Court in Stockton-on-Tees and the McDonald's sites at Mark Eaton in Derby and Spalding in Lincolnshire. Our friends at MFG, as we've already mentioned, have been moving apace. 
as you may or may not know, MFG or Motor Fuel Group are a company that owns a large number of petrol stations across the country. A couple of years ago, they decided to install rapid chargers at a number of their sites, but unlike Shell and BP, they didn't want to just add a couple of units on the edge of the forecourt. They wanted to make a complete EV charging area with canopies, multiple units and high-powered chargers. Their sites vary from four units up to eight units, and they have 46 locations with five or more chargers. 34 of these were opened within the last 12 months. One price, contactless payment, magic. Ionity have quietly been adding new locations over the last 18 months or so. Paul Mardi in Glasgow has six units, Blackburn has six units, and Beaconsfield was recently upgraded from four to six units. Remember that these are CCS only, so if you're one of the 250,000 Nissans made in the UK with Chadmo chargers, you best steer clear. Alongside early Kia Souls, Mitsubishi Imievs, and any of the Zoes that just allow AC charging. There are four more hubs planned for the UK with Ionity, including one very close to where I live. It's a 10-unit site, and ironically, it's literally next door to a McDonald's with two Instavolts and a travel lodge with a BP Pulse unit. Ionity are also planning or have opened new sites at Greenock, 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 Carlisle, West Bromwich, and Magor in Wales. Osprey Charging have followed up on their promise to move away from single-unit installs in pubs. In the last 12 months alone, they've opened 11 locations with four or more units. These include Bypass Nurseries in Ipswich, Costa Coffee in Wolverhampton, the Ipswich Park and Ride Hub, Mill Street Retail Park in Crewe, the Paisley Pear Hub in Brackley, and the hubs at Salmon's Leap in Devon and Halfway House in Essex. Which brings us to GridServe. Now, we talked last season about some of the reliability issues GridServe were having with anecdotally almost 25% of their units offline at Rugby at one point. Well, GridServe, as part of their commitment to upgrade the old Ecotricity Electric Highway, have been quietly rolling out some very impressive charging hubs at motorway service areas. In total, GridServe currently have 23 locations with six or more chargers. They've upgraded Heston Service Westbound from 2 to 11 units, Thurrock Services to 12 units, Exeter Services Northbound to 12 units, Swansea to 9 units, Moto 7 View to 7 units, Woolly Edge Services Northbound to 8 units, and southbound to seven units, Weatherby services to 15 units, and Burton Kendall northbound to eight units, and all are either rapid or ultra-rapid chargers. Since the start of the year, they've opened up hubs at Cherwell Valley, six new units, Reading East and Westbound, 12 new units each, Peace Pottage, six new units, and Washington services near Chesterler Street, with six new units. Being motorway service areas, these get a lot of use, and there'll often be one or more needing a repair so that's something they'll need to work on. But having redundancy helps a huge amount. The new electric forecourt at Gatwick is in the process of being built too, with a potential opening date in Q4 this year. In addition, planning permission has been given for a new electric forecourt in Markham Vale, adjacent to the Osprey units at the Marston's pub there, and the Instavolts at KFC next door. So what's new and unusual hub-wise? Well, there is a new player in the field, and that player is EGG, Euro Garages Group. They're similar to MFG in that they're a group of fossil fuel stations that have taken the decision to expand into EV charging. They opened their first site at Frontier Park in Blackburn back in October. It has six rapid devices, tritiums, with 150 kilowatt max charge speed, canopies, and a nearby Greggs, Starbucks, and KFC. Hardly surprising, as they're also the largest KFC franchise holder in in the UK. Now, although they were recently purchased by Asda, it's the same two brothers who own Asda 
and EG Group, so I'm reasonably sure this isn't going to put a crimp in their ambitions. Amongst the lesser known operators running hubs are York Council, who've installed two eight-unit hubs in the city, one at Monk's Cross and one at Poppleton. Welcome Break, the erstwhile MSA operator who made it quite clear they want to do their own thing when it comes to charging, have added eight units to the services at Abington on the M74. This is more than the two grid serve units currently there and the six Tesla superchargers on site. They've also done the same at Gretna, where their six units beat the four Ionity units, the two grid serve units and the four Tesla superchargers. Initial checks around reliability of these units don't seem good, however. Have Welcome Break made some poor decisions when it comes to charging infrastructure? Time will tell. EV Point have installed seven units at an ESO garage in Canley Ford in Coventry, as well as six units at the Starbucks just north of the M4 near the Heathrow Spur Road. So it seems like the number of hubs in the UK is increasing steadily. Locations seem to be quite widespread, and on the face of it, that's good, right? Yes. But cast your mind back to the recent episode where we discussed the M1. In that episode, I said that I think there aren't enough charges to service the number of vehicles on that route. The busiest long-distance road in the country with 200,000 vehicles per day is serviced by three charging hubs and 45 additional locations with either one or two charges at each location. If we look at locations which are physically part of the motorway infrastructure itself, we're down to 11 sites, only two of which currently have more than two charges at any one location. This number will improve by a maximum of two hubs over the relatively short term, with an electric forecourt a short distance away at Markham Vale. Hands up anyone who thinks that's enough. Thought not. I asked a number of the CPOs if they had any plans to put hubs within one mile of the M1 within the next, say, 12 months, and here's what I was told. Osprey said yes. Gridserve said no. MFG said yes. I also checked the planning permission for Ionity charges, and they have no plans in that direction either. So it's a mixed bag when it comes to hubs. We certainly have a lot of them, especially compared with what it was like even 12 or 18 months back. But the question is, are they located in the optimal places? I'll let you come to a conclusion on that. It's time for a cool EV or renewable thing to share with your listeners. We've spoken before about the emergency breakdown services and how they get it gearing up to help EV drivers in the case of issues. When we spoke with Edmund King from the AA, he mentioned the specific innovation they've created which allows them to lift the drive wheels of EVs and tow them without damaging the drivetrain. The REC, however, have got a different way when it comes to innovation. If you do ever find yourself running out of charge at the side of the motorway, something which happens rarely in EVs, but it can still happen, the REC have a solution for you. Rather than carrying around bulky and heavy onboard portable batteries and charge units, they've created something called the EV Boost. It's a device in the back of the recovery van which essentially allows the REC to use the engine of the vehicle to create a charge current and divert it to your EV traction battery. Now obviously it's not ideal using a fossil fuel van to charge an EV, but if you're stuck at the side of a motorway or on a dark road late at night, having the 5 kilowatt boost from an REC van might just be enough to allow you on your way to the nearest charger. The EV Musings podcast is sponsored by ZapMap, the go-to app for EV drivers in the UK, which helps EV drivers search, plan, and pay for their charging. ZapMap is free to download and use with subscription plans for enhanced features such as using ZapMap in car, on CarPlay, or Android Auto. And that's the show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. 
If you want to contact me, I can be emailed at evmusings at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at MusingsEV. If you want to support the podcast and newsletter, please consider contributing to becoming an EV Musings patron. The link is in the show notes. Don't want to sign up for something on a monthly basis? If you enjoyed this episode, why not buy me a coffee? Go to coffee.com slash evmusings and you can do just that. ko-fi.com slash evmusings. Takes Apple Pay too. I have a couple of ebooks out there if you want something to read on your Kindle. So, you've gone electric. It's available on Amazon Worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent, and it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. So, you've gone renewable. It is also available on Amazon for the same 99p, and it covers installing solar panels, a storage battery, and a heat pump. Why not check them out? Links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe. It's available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a review as it helps raise visibility and extend our reach in search engines. If you've reached this part of the podcast and are still listening, thank you. Why don't let me know you got to this point by tweeting me at MusingZV with the words, hubs, hubs everywhere. Hashtag, if you know, you know. Nothing else. Thanks as always to my co-founder, Simon. You know, there was a time when he would look at some new piece of kit, decide whether he liked it and buy it, it much instantaneously. But since he got the Tesla and moved to a new house, he's starting to look at things with a more critical eye. He can no longer go from see it to buy it in a fraction of a second. Now he has time to reflect on a potential purpose. You know, what, 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 what's in between? Thanks for listening. Bye.